Hello, mate. Hope you're absolutely fantastic. Welcome back to Did You Earn It or Did You Learn It? The podcast that allows you the space to realize the things you're going through right now in your life are A-OK and off the back of it, you're going to progress. I said last week that a lot of this is going to be a bit of a passion project and I am absolutely delighted that my first guest is my first guest because on a personal note, she is someone as an as a person who is so important to me, someone who helped me at a time where I was a little bit lost and I was a bit worried about what was going to happen in terms of my future next. And she was someone uh, who was there for me, who helped me. So basically the point of this podcast episode is for you to fall in love with her as much as I love her. Um, She is someone who is a genuine thought leader in terms of marketing, right? Like I've spent a lot of time researching, looking around and Kath is the person that I always come back to. Um, So really looking forward to today. Kath is the creator and owner of Kind Copy. I will let her introduce it because she will give it the justice it deserves. But Kath, thank you so much for being here. I really, really appreciate you. Um, How are you? Mate, I am buzzing to be your first guest. I can't believe what an insanely flattering position it is to hold this. Um, Thank you so, so much for having me on. I'm really excited to talk to you today, to talk a little bit about your journey to talk about the questions that you've primed me on. And uh, and basically, yeah, so my name is Kath. I run a business called Kind Copy. And we established ourselves to try to get rid of some of the cruelty that was in the fitness industry at the time. So this business dates back probably before lots of your listeners were in business. And what I found at the time was there was a whole lot of cruelty and knife twisting in terms of how people got spoke to on the internet. I think the the thing that's really disheartening about that is that the people who need the knife twisting the most are, you know, if you if you need to have the knife twisted, you're in a position where theoretically you will respond to that. But if you do, you're probably not quite ready to take ownership of your own journey. So Kind Copy was established to make sure that people were seeking out coaching. They were seeking a positive change, but they were doing it in a position of high emotion. They weren't broken people. We weren't making their situation worse. Of course, pain exists, but we're not, you know, amplifying it or making it worse. And by doing that, we treat the buyer with respect. We can feel good about the sales process and they are actually in a position to get the help that they genuinely need without feeling fucked, broken, and like they have to lean on their coach for everything. You've got a business you like, and they've got a result they want. It's beautiful. You could see why I was so attracted to her, if you know me. Um, When you started writing, what were you, what was the purpose of it? Was it something that you fell in love with, or were you actually like, do you know what, there's something missing here. There's almost like something in the market is not quite right. So to a degree, I suppose it was that like I went when I first started looking into um, marketing, I would never was intending to help anybody else. I just wanted to help my own business. So I was a fully booked gym floor PT. And then when COVID hit, I had to move my business online like so many people did. And I realized that I had precisely none of the skills I needed to run an online business. I had literally no relevant skills at all. So I thought because I was a pretty good PT, because I was a pretty good fully booked, you know, quote unquote, business owner on the gym floor, I had good soft skills, I had good interpersonal skills, I had a great client base I loved, I assumed that that would just translate onto the internet. And when I started 
marketing my services and came up with absolute crickets. Nobody was responding. I really had to do quite a lot of investigation as to why that is, because there was no help. There was literally nothing in the market for, I run a coaching-based business. I've got a service-based business in the fitness industry. Everything at the time was supplements, everything. So it was fat burners, it was wraps, it was all that type of stuff. And that was working really well. Like this pain-based marketing was working great in supplements because all the buyer had to do was take some pills. All you've got to do is buy this once, maybe buy an upsell. So you've got a second bottle. You know, the it's hyper-masculine. It's in the shape of a grenade. You're going to solidly shit yourself for three days and lose absolutely no weight. But when it comes to actually having a relationship with a coach and getting genuine help that you have to be a part of, feeling broken and feeling like you are disempowered and like you've got no other option but to buy this thing, while that sounds attractive, in practice, that's a fucking horrible idea because you're not in a position to actually make the changes you need to make if all of the messaging from that coach is you're not enough, you're not doing enough, you don't want it enough, you know, if you're tired of being fat and ugly, just be ugly, join this gym. I mean, that was literally, the that was the advert that started Kind Copy. And for those of you who have been in the fitness industry for a long time, you've probably seen the meme. It's an A-board sat outside the gym. Tired of being fat and ugly, just be ugly. And I was like, who are you fucking talking to? Like, who on earth do you think you can speak to like that? Um, so I was just sort of sick of the relationship between buyer and seller starting off in a judgmental place, um, from, from a negative place. And I thought that it was not only not necessary, I thought it was not productive either. My background is in psychology, so I didn't have anybody to learn from exactly, but I thought I just instinctively know this isn't right. And I'm going to have to find another way to do this because if that's what it takes to sell stuff online, I'm just not willing to do it. I'm just not willing to do it. I'm not willing to make people feel worse to buy from me. I get that you feel bad. We can just talk about how bad you feel. I'm going to make you feel disempowered and shit and immoral almost. Like there's some massive shortcoming. I think there's a better way. So that became the kind copy ethos. There's a better way. Love it. I love it. When did you realise... When did you realize it was working? Oh, my God. Well, so it worked for my business, right? And the funny thing about this is that for a long time, I was running both my coaching business and my marketing business. Coaching business was taking along. It was doing okay. But in the back end, I had this wildly successful marketing business that I wasn't talking about. I actively didn't advertise it. I thought if anybody finds out that I'm also doing this, it really confuses the message. So I wasn't talking about it, but that business was growing and growing and growing. I was helping people to rank their websites on Google. I was writing a lot of web copy. I was writing blogs a lot at the time. And I was working in somebody else's business. And he was great. He was a wonderful person and gave me my first start at writing when I had no evidence that I could even do it. And then it got to a point where I couldn't do both. I, I just couldn't grow anymore and something had to give. And I remember having a conversation with um, Dave Young, who lots of your listeners will know. And he said to me, which one do you love? And I was so uncomfortable then. I was like physically squirming in this conversation. And he really pressed me, which one do you love? But which one do you love? Um, 
And I was like, I love the writing. And I really, at that point, I thought I loved both until I was only writing. And then I was like, wow, I actually love this. Um, and he does what he does and says, get rid of your coaching clients, get it done by midday, which was a hugely difficult thing to do because I felt like I had this loyalty to them. I felt like I was, I think I felt like I owed them. I felt like they'd supported me in lockdown. I felt it was a real moral quandary to step away from that business. I also felt like it was a potentially irresponsible thing to do to get rid of income at a time when income wasn't guaranteed. I felt afraid to do that. Um, that scarcity is probably familiar to lots of entrepreneurs. I think like you, you want to say yes to a lot of stuff, but eventually you have to start saying no to even to things you like. And that's quite a hard position to be in. When I, First, I made one post. I posted, I've got this thing that I haven't been talking about. And I posted it on Facebook. And I had so many messages in that first few minutes that it actually crashed my laptop. And then I was like, okay, this actually could work. Um, and, and since then, like, we haven't slowed down. Mate, I love it. Um, I've got a few questions I want to ask you. But the first thing that to maybe give a listener a bit of advice, if they're at that limbo position, is there anything tactically, because again, it might be quite hard to answer for them almost like emotionally because we don't know their situation, but is there something tactically you could use as maybe a prompt for someone to help make a decision? Because I know personally, I speak to a lot of people on a regular basis who are in that kind of limbo. Should I go all in on this? It could be someone who's transitioning from a, a full-time career into whatever their, their dream is. Have you got something tactically that you would use or prompt someone with? Yeah. So one of the things that really helped me, I think I heard this from Jonathan Goodman, but I've heard this from lots of people in the past. So in terms of learned or earned it, I very much learned it from somebody else. The metric was, um, sit down and actually get clear about how much money you need to earn to cover your bills. And because I come from a background of teaching and then I went into self-employment and I'm not there, anybody listening to this is going to laugh, who knows me, I'm not very numbers orientated. So I didn't know how much I needed to earn. I didn't know much I was earning. I didn't know what, like, I knew how much my rent was, but like, basically that was about it. I know what my mortgage payment was and other than that, I didn't really have that much clarity. And I realized that lots of my anxiety around numbers was coming from not wanting to look at them. So if you think maybe you need to, to go all in on something, have an idea of exactly how much you need to earn. And when you're at the point where one of your businesses or one of your revenue sources is at, probably, like I guess this depends on how risk, how comfortable with risk you are. I wanted to be fully covered. I wanted to have 100% of my costs covered by one thing. Um, but some of you may be comfortable with 50% or, you know, 80% or whatever. You decide how how risk averse you are. And I was at the point where what, like, the writing was covering my bills by something like 18 times. I was like, okay, that probably does feel safe. Um, but you decide what level of comfort is right for you. Figure out how much you need to earn. Figure how much, Figure out how much you are actually earning. And then bridge the gap. If you are probably within 50% of it, if you had a lot more time, like if you were giving up another job, you'd probably be there already, right? So, um, yeah, get clear on your numbers is my advice. And if you need some help to do that, get an actual grown-up with, you know, a head for numbers. And if you're the sort of person that as soon as they look at a spreadsheet, they just like want to run in the other direction, like I am, uh, 
recruit somebody to sit with you and force you to sit down and actually look at them because you you need a lot less money than you think to make yourself safe. And after that, maybe you have a little buffer zone of one month, two months, six months, 12 months, whatever you decide is like a, a safety net. But also know that as you go into this, you'll never be as safe as you want because you're choosing an entrepreneurial lifestyle where things are not guaranteed. She's at it again. How do you deal with that? Not feeling as safe as you'd like, I paraphrase there. But how do you, what do you do to kind of minimise that? That's a great question. Um, I, I think lots of us have been told this, right? You don't feel any different when you hit the 10K month. And I remember before I was there, I was like, well, let me, let me get there and let me decide that for myself. Um, but it's fully true. Like, I have earned from purely online means. I've earned as little as a thousand pound a month to about sixty five thousand pound a month, and I haven't actually felt safe at any point. Um, I didn't feel safe at any time. So once I hit sort of the bigger numbers on that list, I was like, I was sort of in crisis to a degree because I I thought, how much more am I going to have to earn before I feel okay? with the amount that we're earning? And the answer was, maybe I'm looking to feel safe in the wrong place. So that idea of you feel safe when you earn X, I learned was a a fallacy for me. That wasn't what I needed. Of course, if I was earning, you know, nothing, I would feel massively more unsafe. But what I've learned to do instead is rather than tie my safety or my sense of safety to money is tie it to skills So how sure are you that you have the skills you need to make this work? And that could be technical skills, like in my case, writing, or it could be something like the skills of having amazing interpersonal relationships where people genuinely love you and they want to see you win and they'll send work your way. I feel like that's that's where you were when we met really, Ben, like that sense of like, you've got an incredible skill set, people love you. Like, why would you not lean into it? It could be something like you've got an amazing network of people around you. It could be that you've got, you know, old contacts from back in the day when you were employed or something that you can leverage. You've got more going for you than you think. And as an entrepreneur, we think more broadly than other people do because we've got, we know that it's not just about money. It's about skill and time and effort and connections and relationships and all those other things. They're all valuable. So if you can make it work when you've got, no no network, almost no skill, and basically no money, which we were all in that position when we started. If you can build a business from basically zero, of course you can do it now. When you've got way more experience, skill, friends, networking, connections, leverage, you know, a little bit of safety net behind you doesn't hurt, but you've done this already, guys, with nothing at all. So back yourself and do it again now that your circumstances are miles better. I absolutely love that you say that. And that's where you were so like impactful on my life because I've always my entire life and I didn't really realize it that I was kind of craving skill. And this podcast is called this podcast because of you. And I I had to do that. Um, And I hope every time you see this pop up, it makes you smile a little bit because 
it's giving yourself permission to know, do you know what? You are safe as you are. Like you're going to get better as long as you're investing in the right areas. And I know that you, you, you live by that so much in the way that you talk, the way that you basically give out so much free information that could just change anybody's life because you can see it's one of your highest values. And I suppose if you're listening to this today, like think about areas and skills that you need to improve on to feel more secure because 100% agree with CAF. It's the best way to feel safe and go on the journey feeling a bit more confident in what you're doing. So, mate, I love that you've said that. Um, did you earn it or did you learn it? It's about hiccups and things that you've faced in your life. I threw a couple of questions that at CAF that were kind of quite open and I kind of did it on purpose because I know how brilliant she is, but I wanted to see kind of what came back from her. So, CAF, what is a hiccup or a failure that you faced that you thought, Mm, could have done that better or do you know what I'm actually happy the way that I've actually handled this so this question was so broad you guys when Ben asked me this question I was like what does he even mean with this I actually spent so long thinking about it that I actually even started googling what sort of things do people feel like they fail at and I was like even this in itself feels like a failure um so I came up with like a list of of objective things where I actually had failed like I failed and I've given up. So things like I failed my driving test for this time. I failed a whole bunch of exams. Uh, I'm not in the job I started off in. And so I suppose in some ways I failed to commit into a career. Um, and then I was like, I don't actually give a shit about any of that stuff. Like literally nothing on that list seems important in the slightest. I don't care. Or maybe because I don't care, I don't consider any of those things failures. Because who the fuck gives a, who cares that you failed GCSE art like in the 90s? You failed art because you didn't do any work. That's the bigger issue, you know? So I consider all of those things to be sort of iterations and refinements of the process. And I think that's true of any entrepreneur. If you're not prepared to fail at something, you don't deserve success because that is the price of admission. Um, But actually, I came up with something that was a little bit more nebulous. And I do actually feel like a bit of a failure or at least a bit of a shit person because I worry that despite being called kind copy, I worry that I can be perceived as cold. Um, particularly if I don't feel cold towards that person. So the, in practice, this looks like stuff, for example, like I've forgotten your birthday. Or I like you've got you've invited me to an event and I am absolutely not going to attend in a million years. Or I haven't asked you about your fucking kid or whatever, okay? I feel like those things could be perceived as lack of care or coldness. And it's not that I don't care. I care really deeply about people. But I think the way I express my care might look different from somebody else's expression of care. So I worry sometimes that the people who I value really deeply may not feel appreciated by me because I'm not expressing my care and affection in a way that they might recognize as love. But what I've learned from that is since becoming aware of it, if I just flag it up with people, they're generally cool with it. So things like I might say something like, hey, look, I'm not amazing with birthday presents. So like, don't expect them. But I might buy a random thing if it makes me think of you. Or um, I'm not into organized fun in the slightest. And if you invite me to into a group situation, I am 1 million percent trying to get out of that from the, from the moment, like you haven't even finished inviting me and I'm already thinking about ways I have not gone to attend. Um, but if you want to grab a coffee, just the two of us, I'm fully down for that. So 
I've always been aware of it, but I haven't always felt comfortable verbalizing that to other people. And I think it was because I had an ADHD diagnosis last year. And that sense of I fucking hate this thing that other people seem to quite like. And so I should probably like it too, was always sort of rumbling along in the background. Um, so any like worry that I had about being rejected or like you you go on my birthday, so you you obviously don't care about me. If I'm genuinely being fully myself and people don't like it, you should absolutely reject me. You should do that. And do it as fast as possible so that you're not wasting your time thinking I'm something I'm not. And I'm not wasting my time investing into a relationship that I can't sustain either. So um, being accepted for who you are is not actual real acceptance. So as, be as full and as unapologetically yourself as you possibly humanly can tolerate being because the people who will gravitate towards you, the right people will gravitate when you are warts and all, you know? So that comes with being really aware of who you are and not making apologies for that because the right people will seek you out and the people who really need you will be regulated by that honesty. Like you give people permission to be themselves when you are fully yourself. And that usually involves, hey, I'm not great at this. Please bear with me or don't. And that's okay too. Beautiful. If I could do emojis and gifts on a podcast, I would just find some, like the wholesome. <laughs> Mate, I don't. And just so you hear this from someone externally, the way that you communicate with me, I absolutely love it because you just put it in black and white and it's easy for me to go, right, okay, this is what I should do or this is what I shouldn't do or this is what is acceptable in our, I'm air quoting here, in our relationship, which I think is absolutely fantastic. And I love it. And I love that you have been able to kind of like put those almost like boundaries in place. Was there a point where you have you always done it like that or was there a point that you were like hang on a minute because I'm trying to I think in this way actually I need to do this or I haven't been doing it as much as I probably should be I think I've always had the awareness of it but I've been reluctant to be to articulate it maybe because I thought this is just a shortcoming of you like you're just shit at this so like hide it you're shit at this so, so fix it make it better so things like, hey, I'm not going to buy you a birthday card because I like I cannot stay on top of this. I just literally don't value it. This is not how I want to express my love to you. Um, th that dates back, right? I remember being in primary school and just getting to the end of the school year and just having like all birthdays, all Christmas cards, just in a heap at the bottom of my bag in the summer at the start of summer holidays and tipping the shit out and being like, ah, oh, now I have to deal with all of this shit. It, it literally felt like that to me. So. I don't want people to think that that is an expression that I don't value them or that we don't, I don't value the relationship. And it's taken me a long time to be able to say, Hey, look, this is, this is me showing love in this way. And all of these other things, please don't mistake that for a lack of care. Um, and I think that took maybe, I don't know, until maybe a lot more recently than I was, able to articulate that rather than try to hide it or fix it or try to square peg myself um unapologetically owning it and thinking this is not the way that I'm choosing to communicate about this like I did something recently about like please don't voice note me I find it really difficult to pay attention to what you're saying in a voice note because I've stopped listening almost instantly and I've put off listening to it for basically the entire day 
just being honest about that and saying, listen, if you if you voice not me, I'm probably going to ignore you until the end of the day. If this is urgent, just come back and write in. And and just just being honest about what I'm feeling or what I need or what I'm worried about. I'm like, hey, if I ignore you, I'm I'm concerned that you're going to think I'm not paying attention to this or that I'm going to open this message and ignore it. I, just letting you know, I've read this. I'm going to come back later. I hope that's cool. I'm in the middle of something else right now. So just like almost live narrating. <laughs> I found that has helped me a ton. And for the right people, I imagine that's cool with them. And for the wrong people, it allows them to self-select. You know, I don't want to be part of this. I want you to remember my kid's birthday. It's not going to be me. We're not going to, I'm not going to be able to operate like that. And I, I just love that. And I think for me to be purely selfish, I really resonate with the the Christmas card and the card thing. I really, really resonate with that. And I probably feel like that's the way that I've done things throughout my life in terms of like hugging people and being so nice to people, because it's my way that when I see them, I make sure that there's some sort of connection there um, and they can feel that, which I think is so, so cool. And like, obviously in terms of like business boundaries, that's absolutely amazing in terms of like focus. Was that again, in terms of just like purely business, was that something that you worked out quite quickly or was that something that you had to learn? From a business perspective, I think I was very, very fortunate in that respect because I've like almost always had more business than I can say yes to. Um, Obviously, there there are times when that hasn't been true and I've needed, you know, I've been looking for sales or whatever. But for the most part, there has always been an abundance of people to, to help which is wonderful. So I felt like I was in a position to say, hey, look, um, do you mind if I don't accept you in if you have to put this on a credit card because I feel like that's going to stress me out to fuck, like mega, I will lose sleep over that. Or I've got a personal policy that if you don't know who your niche is, I, I'm, I'm going to have to help you with that first. And so I'm not going to take any money off you yet until we've solved that problem. Is that cool? Just to sort of articulate what we value as a company, and that's always putting the needs of the prospect first. I feel like as a as a business, we work on behalf of the prospect, not the coach, not us. We're working for the people who need help. Um, and there's amazing coaches out there, really like genuinely life-changing coaches. So if we I feel like we're a bit of a broker in that respect. So we just connect the right people to the right places. And if you're not being fully transparent about who you are, what you want out of your business, I can't possibly line you up with the right people, you know? So um yeah being honest as a as a way of leading by example has helped us love it you're so clear on that for someone who isn't clear to take it back to maybe a coach or if this is someone listening to it who isn't a fitness coach maybe the person isn't 100% clear yet on like what their business does um what they really stand for what advice would you give them to help them f- maybe feel a bit more comfortable in that almost like uncertainty of like, I'm trying to work this out. I'm looking around at all these other people. Maybe they could be looking at you and saying, well, she's got everything sorted out. What would you tell them? Um, Nobody's got anything like as sorted out as you think they are. Um, This is a very much a constantly fiddled with uh, refinement in everybody's business. So anybody that you're looking at and you're thinking, oh, they've, they've got this nailed. They've, They've got such clarity about this. One they may have more clarity than they did, or they may have more clarity than you, but they certainly don't have the level of clarity that they want. Um, that's a normal thing. And I think we all live with the willingness to revisit these things. And I think, you know, I might be wrong. Or 
as I learn more about this person, I'll be able to help them better. But if you um, check out of the process and you're not actively involved in it, you will never get better. So it's a constant refinement and you learn maybe just one thing about them. Maybe you just learn, you know, they, they don't talk like that or they wouldn't use that word or they hate when you communicate in this way or whatever it is, you're learning just maybe one thing per like quarter perhaps that allows you to refine the message a little bit more. If you're in a position right now where you you're you're learning this stuff and you're designing it i would say that that's an important thing you're not trying to uncover something you are trying to design something so you're not searching for a truth you are creating a circumstance so that means who you are it means who your niche is it means what your business stands for it means what you offer it means the way you get the result the specific mechanisms you use where you show up, the format you use, the, the medium you want to communicate in, all of these variables are what makes your business unique. And whatever you choose in the beginning, you, you're not married to it. Like we're all trying a whole bunch of stuff all the time. What matters is that you know, I think what matters is you know who you are and who you're not. And maybe like one North Star statement. So like, I'm Kath and we don't twist the knife. Like that's, if if that's all you had to go on, because in the beginning that actually is all you've got to go on, everything else can fall into line. That one sort of a mission statement, I guess, will keep you right most of the time. So as you practice and as you're in your business for more time and longer and um, you know what you definitely don't want to be, and that is something that you will develop. You will develop that as long as you're an active participant it will become clear over time. So be patient with yourself while you design it because you're not designing it for today. You're designing it for the next 10 years. So think on a longer timeline. You don't have to get all this right right now. I am Ben. I will cuddle you. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Can confirm. <laughs> Matt, I absolutely love it. And you're absolutely magic. I'm very, very cautious of your time because I could literally sit here and talk to you all day. Um, is there anything in your mind that you would like to talk about that we've not touched upon today? I think right now what coaches need to hear, if we're specifically talking to coaches, is that it might feel right now like the market is in a state of flux for you. That's true. Anybody who's telling you that everything is perfectly normal right now is only telling you that because they need you to be calm. The market is weird. If your business feels weird, it is weird. Let's stop gaslighting business owners into thinking that this is a fucking a normal situation. You are going through something which is very peculiar. However, if you change your behavior, there is a ripple effect. So if your market feels like they're slow to buy right now, and as a result, you stop marketing or you change something dramatically or you change your niche or you move to a new platform or whatever... There is a consequence of all of the behavior that, behaviors that you're putting into the equation. So there'll be a lag effect if you change markets. There'll be a, a period of time when nobody knows you on a different platform. You have to build up your audience again. The more stable you can be emotionally, behaviorally, socially, everything, the more you are minimizing the very real ups and downs of the market. And that's all you can ever control. So don't like don't let a sudden shift 
in how you perceive the market mean lead you to dramatic changes in your business where you change everything all at once. I remember when I first started getting into marketing my own business, I was like, sweet, so I'm gonna have a I'm gonna do this and this and this and this and this all at once. And then I did that. I was like, fuck, I don't actually know what's working here. I've no idea which part of this equation is working. And then I realized quite early on, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do one thing and change one thing. And then I'm going to let it play out for maybe maybe a month and see how that affects stuff. Because there's a hell of a lag with things and you don't always know what's actually working. So if you change loads of things at once, you create loads more ripple effects. Everything feels uncertain now. And there's a consequence of they don't understand me anymore. So if you don't understand them, that's one thing. But if you're always the same, if you're like the parent that's always the same to the kid, they can be having all kinds of track tantrums and all kinds of meltdowns, but you're always the same. So they will gravitate to you because you will be the source of stability or normality and safety that they need. And actually a ton that goes into the coaching relationship is just making someone feel safe enough to gravitate towards you. That's it. So if you're going to regulate anything about yourself, or maybe you don't, you choose not to put stuff on the internet, that's that's the stuff. Don't put the volatilities on the internet when your market feels volatile, because that just really rocks the boat. And right now they need stability and safety. And that's what you provide as coach. I do love it. What would Kath today say to Kath when she first picked up that pen or phone? and started writing something what would she what would she say to her about what she's overcome and what she's built and the impact she's had and how many lives that she's changed I feel like as soon as I started writing I just didn't fucking stop so I almost feel like I'm not necessarily a different person um I don't know if I'm in a position to give myself advice because I feel like like my obsession with being the best I can be at this is so strong still. I think maybe um, I would say come from a place of love rather than come from a place of scarcity. Um, that's that's a, That would be a good message. But I feel like when it came to writing, I don't really feel like I did come from a place of scarcity. I felt like I always came from this place of I want to make this change. I want to have the the impact on the market that I know we could have. I wonder if maybe it should be think even bigger because I feel like I was never about get get one coach to have the right clients. It was always about change the market, change the way that people are spoken to in this market. I always wanted that. Maybe I should be thinking about change the way that marketing happens across all industries, not just health and fitness coaching, but all industries. And I think there's a lot of places where um, marketing is more or less mature than others, of course, in different industries, right? And because health and fitness coaching was so fucking hammered in lockdown, everybody's audiences matured really fast. So I genuinely believe that Kind Copy was the first people to to have this approach to marketing in our industry. I, I really do think that's true. But I think that's far more common now. But there are certainly industries where that is not true. Um, and they they need a little bit of kindness. So that sense of think even bigger and think on a on a global scale rather than a, a market or industry scale should have been the scary advice perhaps I should have given to my younger self. Thank you so much. And I massive agree. 
And I said to you right back at the beginning is that I've gone on a little bit of quest to go and learn other bits of information and see what other skills I can pick up. But I always come back to you because just of because of you um, and your values and the way you speak. And I would 100% echo that. And I probably set you a little challenge to probably go and do that. Um, when I force you to come back, we can talk about how much more domination you've got. But um, <laughs> mate thank you so much for today like i really really appreciate you i'm so so grateful that you're in my life i'm so so grateful that you are the very first guest of this podcast um where i'm gonna directly send absolutely everybody where can they find more of you i would love to connect people on instagram i think uh if you want to just come and have a chat to me my um my username is kind copy uk it's got a little picture of me on there. So it really is me in my inbox. I would love for you to chat to me. There's no hard sell. I'm not going to direct you anywhere else. I would just like to see what you thought about the podcast and if you enjoyed it and if it helped you, I'd love to know. Thank you, mate. I appreciate you. And thank you so much for listening today. Um, I highly recommend and um, I please ask you to go and um, just pop, pop Kath a message and just tell her what your biggest takeaway was or what you enjoyed. But thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you. I love you very much. And I'll catch you next week. <laughs>